Today I will speak to us on the topic chosen and faithful. What's the topic? Chosen and faithful. Let us pray. Our God and our Father, we thank you, Lord, for the fact that you are God. There is none like you. You are the forgiving God, the long patient God, the long suffering God, the one who sees in us potential when we were condemned to death. We thank you, Lord, for the fact that when our foreparents made a mess of things, you came down in the Garden of Eden and you called out their name. You gave them hope and today, Lord, we rejoice in this hope that one day if we be faithful to you, we will go home to live with Jesus. Lord, we ask that today you will bring us closer to that fact that we can all be saved in your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 25. Reading from verse 1 down to 13, the Lord Jesus in his ministry used stories known as parables to give meaning to his messages. And here he outlined the parable of the ten virgins representing what we consider today to be the kingdom of God. Representing the church and he said, Then shall the kingdom of God be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Ten virgins, who all had lamps. Ten virgins, who at the surface looked the same. But when we examine the scriptures, it points out, and five of them, were wise and five were foolish. We, we are not here to judge others. But the scripture is clear, especially in Matthew, that when it comes on to those who profess Christ, there are two groups. Those who mean it and those who don't mean it. But all of them must grow, says the Lord, until the what? The day of harvest. None of us in here have any authority to point finger and say, you mean it and you don't mean it. Christ is the one who is going to make the difference. Five were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. And let me point out quickly that the foolish took only their lamps. And lamps in this case, according to Psalm 119, 
verse 105 points out to us that the Lamb is the Word of God. Here, both the foolish and the wise had lambs. Both the foolish and the wise believed in the Bible. Both the foolish and the wise extolled the virtues of the Bible. They loved its prophecies. They loved its teachings. They loved its doctrines. They believed the word of God to be unchangeable. They believed the word of God to be profitable, to be reproof, to be a source of correction. Indeed, both the wise and the foolish believe the scriptures to be inspired by God. But there's a difference. One class professed only and embraced only a surface interpretation and a surface study of scripture. The other class, the wise, by virtue of the fact that they not only bear the lamp, but they also carry a vessel of oil, points out to us that we must not just be surface people in God's kingdom. We must be deep studiers of the word. You see, the vessel of oil that was carried by the wise represents the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. And without the Holy Spirit, brethren, all we can manage to achieve is just mere discipline change. Not a change of heart, but a change that is demonstrated only when we are being watched. You see, the Christian must be a Christian in Jerusalem and also in Babylon. When Daniel was taken and his friends were taken from Jerusalem, they were both Christians in Jerusalem. When they arrived in Babylon, they were Christians in Babylon. Joseph, when he was taken from Israel to the land of Egypt, was a Christian in Israel and a Christian in Egypt. And the question is, are you a Christian only when eyes are on you that know you? Or are you a Christian when eyes are on you that don't know you and when eyes are on you that know you? Are you a Christian every day of the week? Or are you a Christian sometimes? The wise is a Christian all the time. The wise was the class that allowed themselves to be changed by the word of God. That allowed themselves to be sanctified by what the word of God says. And let's take a couple of steps. First John, no, John 16, St. John 16, 12 to 14, points out to us what it means to have 
the Spirit in our lives. John 16, 12 to 14. And it says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. How will, when ye, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will what? Guide you into some truth. Into how many of the truth? All the truth. Yeah? For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of me, of mine, and he shall show it unto you. And he shall show it unto you. You see, the Holy Spirit will not hold things from the Christian. The Holy Spirit will lead the Christian into all truth. Here are a lot of people questioning the, the, the divinity of the Holy Spirit. Even in church, people are of the opinion that the Holy Spirit is not God. As if God would entrust a high work such as changing of your heart from a heart of stone to a heart that is converted to a created being. I wonder if we notice that all aspect of salvation rests with divinity. The Father is sitting on the throne as the chief judge. The Son is the advocate and the Holy Spirit is the one that strives with me. Everything that is involved in our salvation is done by divinity. And the roles we play as, as created beings, angels and humans, are inspired and are brought about by the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Let us not make the mistake of believing that the Holy Spirit does not have a part to play in our lives and that the Holy Spirit is not God himself. John 17 verse 17 says, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. But we cannot be sanctified or we cannot be changed if the Holy Spirit is not leading us into the discovery of that truth. And so, whereas the ten virgins represent the members of the church, there are some who are different because they are allowing themselves to be led by the Holy Spirit. John 3, 3 to 8. St. John 3, 3 to 8. Another powerful example of what the Holy Spirit can do for us. And it says, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born again, 
He cannot see the what? The kingdom of God. And, and as we know, Nicodemus who came by night was puzzled by, by Jesus' answer to his question. But what Jesus was saying to him is this, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the what? The spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And so, it is important that as we await the second coming of Christ, just as how the ten virgins awaited the coming of the bridegroom, we recognize that we have a need for that extra oil in our vessels. We have a need for that outpouring of the Holy Spirit into our lives. Why? Do we need the Holy Spirit in our lives? Because the Holy Spirit will inculcate in the mind of the true believer a love for souls that have not yet been saved. There are people out there who need hope in Jesus Christ. There are people out there, and, and we can see every day as they go about their biddings and their doings, their daily lives, without the guidance of God, how much they degenerate into practices that are sinful. When we look today at what, what is happening in our country, uh, I, I draw the line at this. When a woman can buy a 21 piece of KFC and a bike man ride up and grab it away from her, you know things really, really gone. Degenerate. They need help. They need to hear a message from Jesus Christ. They need you to influence them, to tell them that there is another way to live, that they need Jesus in their heart. You, you can't police this. You can't solve this. You can't SOE this kind of emergency needs Jesus Christ as the answer. It needs church people to get up and go to tell other people to tell others that they need Jesus Christ it needs church people who are filled with the Holy Spirit to go and let others know that Christ is coming soon and he's coming for a prepared people it needs church people to stop skyline and be lazy and tell other people the commission that Christ has given unto them. Because brethren, if we don't go, the devil has his people going. There are a set of people known as the, the, the large people. Sister Annette mentioned them before. And, and, and the large people are observers, Freemasons. Yes? 
they will observe you and if you look like you have potential they will approach you and their question is we are looking for are there suggestions we are looking for a few good men very simple and we want you to be one of them and just like how you extol the virtues of Christianity and the blessing that salvation brings to you, they will extol to you the earthly possession that the devil has provided them with. And whether or not you believe it, as a person, you are drawn to things of the world. You are drawn to vanity. Even Solomon was drawn to vanity. You are not immune to the allures of the world. Unless Jesus is living in your heart, you will answer yes. Many persons out there, even the little children at school, are drawn to the allures of the world. I started teaching in 1996 and it took 20 years for me to see a child in a guard ring with the compass and something else. Yeah? The, the sign of the, the, the Freemasons, the large people. And those rings are becoming so popular now among the youngsters. I have lived for over 40 years and I've never seen people tattoo on themselves the symbol of the, the eye of the stars in combination with the Lord symbol even around their own eyes and their forehead and parts of their body. What is that saying to us? That is saying to us that the devil is not hiding his tricks anymore. He is an inactive recruitment. Why? When we read on in Matthew, we, were, we are told that both the wise and the foolish slept as they waited for the bridegroom to come. And what is that saying to the church? that the church just before Christ comes will be sleeping. And that something must happen to awake the church. The behold the bridegroom coming must be sounded for the church to wake up. What does sleep mean in spiritual sense? And for that, we, we need to turn to St. Luke chapter 21 to find out what it means to be asleep in church and whether or not we are asleep as Earth's history is about to close. Verses 34 to 36 says, Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting 
Uh, and if you read, surf it in another interpretation, the ESV. Um, Surfeiting is called dissipation. Uh, and dissipation here means overindulgence in sensual pleasures, squandering of money and energy and resources on things that are not profitable. And is, is the church today members, us, burdened down and overcharged with the cares of this life? Are we drunk with the cares of this life so that the day come upon us unaware? For as a snare shall it come on them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. And we must admit, as Christians, that sleep is running into our midst. That we are not alert and as vibrant as when we started the journey to wait on the bridegroom. That at some point, we have fallen asleep, but the, the encouragement from Luke is watch therefore and what not. Pray always that he may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of God. In other words, Luke is saying, Christians, it is time to wake up. It is what? Time to wake up. You see, the foolish, the foolish is those who claim to keep and teach the holy law of God and are continually transgressing that law. Who are the foolish? Those who claim to keep and teach the law of God and are continually transgressing that law. They are regarded as stumbling blocks, not only to sinners, but also to believers in the truth. The foolish, they oppose, they know not what, because unfortunately, says the spirit of prophecy, they are leavened with the spirit of the opposition. The loose, lax way in which they regard the law of Jehovah and the gift of his son is an insult to God. The only way in which we can correct this widespread evil is to closely examine everyone who would become a teacher of the world. The foolish is a hypocrite in God's kingdom. Profess one thing, 
but live another thing. But just before you raise your axe to condemn them, God has hope for every woman. And that hope is in Jesus Christ. But the foolish must make a right about turn before the bridegroom comes. Before the sound is given that behold the bridegroom coming, the foolish must examine his or herself and find out that there is a difference between himself and the others. That whilst they only have lamp, the others have lamp and a vessel of oil. When the foolish examine his or herself, they will realize that there is yet a little time to go to those who sell so that they can buy. That window of time is now. Cannot be tomorrow. Cannot be this evening. It is now. It is now. The wise can't give you none of their oil. Lest it be not what? Enough for both of us. In other words, not even your wife can give you any of their own. The Holy Spirit is not transferable from person to person. You must seek the Spirit and the infilling from Jesus Christ Himself. That time is now. So it's in God's kingdom. And I'm watching the time. Because I know some of you want to catch a sermon at Southfield. Behold the bridegroom cometh. Behold what? The bridegroom cometh. When the sleeping virgins heard the call, they got up. That noise, that call is being made today in our world. The signs of the time are telling us that Jesus is coming. Behold the bridegroom coming. Jesus is about to come. The increase in wickedness, the disasters, the wars and the rumors of war, the political turmoils that are happening all over the world, including in the United States and in Jamaica, the immorality, the perversions of all kinds, and if you want to see perverts, you just type it on the internet. Every single form of perversion that existed before the flood exists today. Hmm? There is no perversion that the Bible mentions that is not evident today. People are marrying their mothers. Just like how Ceramis married Nimrod. Wife and, wife and husband, but their mother and son. Same thing happening in the world today. 
Men love their own daughters. Mothers love their own son. And not platonic love. Romantic love. And have the audacity to say that God is love. People are changing genders. And their parents are defending it. And saying that in Christ there is neither male nor female. Perversion. At this morning I put on Jim Reeves on the internet. And I don't know how much of it my, my son saw. But when the first song... When the first song was about to be played, is the lesbian then? Big advertisement that they are all one. And having their big march and advertising that march somewhere in some European city. Augustus and Melotin. Yes, God loves sinners, and we cannot deny that. But God cannot accept a sinner into heaven. Hmm? God cannot what? Accept a sinner into heaven. And no matter how much the activist wants to spin it, sin is sin. And no matter how much they want to say that the Bible and religion is not up to date with their lifestyle, they could say till the blue, God will not change his standard to accommodate your preferences. And you can take that to the bank. That God who sent his son to die on Calvary's cross could not change his own law to save his only son. He had to come and die on Calvary's cross because the Lord demanded that for sin to be remission or for there to be remission of sin there had to be what? A shedding of blood. The law is supreme. The creator of the law, the architect of the law, could not change a letter of it to save his own What that says to man, foolish man, is that he must put his lifestyle in accordance to the law of Jesus Christ. You can't rationalize the law. Scoffers will come. Are people scoffing today at the law of God? Second Peter 3 and verse 3. Peter tells us that the scoffers will come. And they will say, uh, uh, and let's put it in Jamaican terms now. For me, I am in here. Say, God, I come. And he's not coming. You ever hear that? Yes. Yeah, man. From the idea, I mean, me hear that. And he's not coming. And we feel now that it is because Christ has delayed his coming, it is license 
for us to do as we please. Not so. Scoffers will come, knowing this verse, that there shall come in the last days. Scoffers, walking after their what? Own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. But Jesus is coming soon. And there is coming a time in this world when only those who have extra oil will stand. There's coming a time in church, in the kingdom of God, where many who start out are going to follow. Where many a bright star will become dim. Only those who would have sought for the former rain and would have allowed their hearts to be changed by that filling of the Holy Spirit who would have developed a love for sinners not sin, sinners that they would have been encouraged to go forth with fervency to labor in the field for sinners so that they can see Jesus Christ only those will receive the latter rain Latter rain is not something that is going to be poured out on a divided church either. The latter rain is going to be poured out on those who love Jesus Christ. Those who love sinners. Those who labor for sinners. Every church member is responsible for the talents entrusted to him. And in order to meet his responsibility, he needs to be instructed diligently and patiently and with the Spirit of Christ. This work, though given largely to ministers, is given to every one of us who are seated here. What is it that you are promoting day by day? Are you promoting Christ in your lifestyle? Are you promoting Christ in the way you live your life? Or are you promoting the devil? We must promote Jesus Christ. Our salvation depends on it. Revelation 19 tells us the story. You see, when the bridegroom came and the foolish begged oil but didn't get any, they went to those that buy. And when they returned and knocked on the door, everything was over. They heard from the mouth of the bridegroom that he what? Knew them not. Knocking on. Knock the door. They had a right to be there. They thought. They were in the room. But they fell asleep. They came out to look on. When they came back, their right was taken away from them. 
You see, you can be in church and lose your soul. How did they feel knowing that they were in the chamber but somehow got locked out of the chamber? I don't want us to, 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 to feel that feeling because one of the things that the prophecy points out to us is that the walls that are going to be around the new Jerusalem are going to be transparent. And those who are outside will see what is happening inside. And know that they could have and should have been inside. The feeling is worse than the fire that God consumed. Knowing that they had every chance and opportunity it's not a chance, it's a certainty they had the certainty of being saved but by their own decision threw it out the way Revelation 19 6-9 says to us and I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of many thundering, saying, Hallelujah! For the Lord God omnipotent, what? Reigneth! Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is what? Is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. Who is the wife of Christ? The church. The church has made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the what? The righteousness of the saint. Wise people who have allowed the Holy Spirit to change them into what Christ wants them to be, who would have given up their will so that Christ's will becomes their will. They are the ones who are going to be saved. And he said unto me, right, Blessed are they which are what? Called into the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, these are the true sinners of God. And I don't want to spoil it. But I must tell you this. Resist not the word of Jesus Christ. Now, as we are in the days of preparation, resist not the words of Jesus Christ. Don't rationalize it. If God says it, it should settle it for you. If God commands it, you should do it. Your will must become God's will must become your will. Your will must become subservient. It must die. And God's will must reign supreme in your life. Jesus is coming soon, brethren. Soon and very soon. He will come. He promised it. And if God promised it, 
He has to fulfill it. He has to fulfill it. Let us be ready by the aid of the Holy Spirit.